Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. It's that time again. Another Cover Your Assets KC podcast is on the way. Walter Storholt here with you alongside David Dickens, President and Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors with an office in Overland Park. Find us online at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. David, we've got another great episode on tap today. We're, we're building foundations on the program today. <laughs> we are. And every financial house needs a really, really firm foundation. So that's where we're going to try to go today. Whether, you, you know, whether you're in your 20s or 30s, or maybe you're a parent listening to this and you're thinking, what could I help my, my kid with that's struggling a little bit? Uh, so hopefully there's something in here for, for all generations, uh, but that's what we're going to talk about, making sure you got that, that firm financial foundation to build on. To get where we want to go, we need a place to begin, and today's show will be a little bit about that for sure. All right, so five keys to a healthy financial foundation is what David has boiled down the uh, advice into today. Let's jump in, David. What's the uh, first key to building that healthy financial foundation? Wait, well, my well, southernness the... really came out of me there for a second, didn't it? <laughs> it did, financial. <laughs> Nice, Walter. There you go. Every once in a while, it slips out. (laughs) All right. So the first one is going to sound pretty pedestrian, but I'm going to unpack it a little bit, and and hopefully there's there's a a little extra in there for you. That's basically to have total control of your checking and savings accounts. And by your savings account, I really mean your emergency fund. I know a lot of people who don't have an emergency fund, and that is totally fine unless you ever have an emergency (laughs) that it's not great (laughs) and then it's just not great and then you're scrambling to try to maybe folks will lend you some money or maybe your friends or maybe you get into credit card debt frankly that's where a lot of credit card debt comes from is not necessarily overspending for for wants but you are running right on the edge of your budget versus your income and all of a sudden something comes up out of nowhere and you put it on a credit card and then you can never get it paid off so just a couple of words about your checking account. That's, you know, that's where your paycheck goes every two weeks. And maybe to build that emergency fund, you set up a, an automatic transfer into that savings account. And maybe you do your bill pay through your checking account. But the thing I want you to focus on is how many bounced checks do you have each year? Because your bank probably charges 35 bucks every time you bounce a check. I Googled that and found Forbes ran an article that in 2019, banks collected over $11 billion in overdraft fees. It's a staggering amount. It's a staggering amount of money. And that is money that the, when you bounce a check, you're like, oh my gosh, that's 35 bucks I could have used on something fun. Yep. That was, uh, I, I, I had my good share of overdrafts Back in the back in the day, in the early working years, and uh, tail end of college, first years of working, you're just trying to juggle a pretty small margin, you know, and sometimes yeah. you slip up. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's the thing to know to to look at. That's just evidence of something. Maybe it's evidence that you're not paying attention. Okay, start paying attention. Maybe it's evidence that you're living slightly above your means, and you're just trying to fit everything in which probably also means you don't have an emergency fund. So if, you know, whichever it was, you're not paying attention or you're living above your means, 
you, you really need to find a way to get that into line. And your checking account is, uh, is probably a healthcare analogy there. Maybe that's, maybe that's your, your blood pressure or something. I hadn't thought through that, but not a good idea to think through it on the, <laughs> in the middle of the podcast. But that's evidence that something is amiss on the base on the most basic feature of your financial foundation make sure your checking account doesn't bounce and make sure you have a savings account which i'm going to equate with your emergency fund okay that's a pretty good one and uh but again i think the key is not having a checking and savings account you put in a good qualifier there controlling having control over your checking and savings that's the the true key not just that they exist but that control element All right, what's the second key to a healthy financial foundation? Well, the second one is uh, a workplace retirement account, and hopefully you have one. If you you don't have one, then that's where the, the third key comes in. But your workplace retirement account basically serves as an automatic savings vehicle. That's money that, and you might get a match. Your company might provide a match, maybe not. What I mean by that is if you put in 3%, they put in 3%. If you put in 5%, maybe they put in 5%, but that's free money. So if you happen to have a workplace retirement account and they offer a match and you aren't contributing, well, you're leaving a lot of free money on the table. That's a bad thing. So depending on where you are in in life, maybe not in your 20s, but maybe in your 30s or or 40s, you can put up to $19,500 a year into that 401k at work. So if you happen to be over 50, you can put up to 26 grand in there every year. Maybe your uh, workplace offers a Roth, and so that's a whole different, uh, a Roth 401k, that's a whole different uh, type of discussion. But one way or the other, you should be using that because it's money that never gets into your checking account, so you don't have the opportunity to spend it. You are saving money for yourself in the future and the earlier you start, the bigger that number is going to be when you retire. Walter, you've probably heard it, but there's an old saying in my business, time in the market is more important than timing the market. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so all that means is, you know, don't get, especially in your, in your uh, 20s, 30s, and early 40s, don't get worried about whether the market's going up or down. Because the amount of time you have in the market and adding to that every two weeks is way more important than whether the market's going up or down over the next six months. I remember seeing a great illustration once that showed a hypothetical woman who was deemed the worst investor of all time. And she invested like a big chunk of her savings into, you know, stocks or a mutual fund or something in, into the market, we'll just say in, in general, like the day before the dot com crash. And then, um, you know, and, and lost a whole bunch of money. And then she ended up with another $40,000 or something and invested it the day before the big crash in 08. <laughs> and, you know, and so it gave basically five different periods of time where she invested and the next day the market crashed. And then, you know, you would think she was left with almost nothing. And but yet she instead... had she had a couple million dollars, <laughs> you know. So it was a pretty, a pretty eye-opening illustration, I think, goes to your point of the kind of awesomeness behind just staying in the market and letting it do the work for you and not trying you not trying to do all that work of timing and jumping in and out and you end up just shooting yourself in the foot a whole bunch of times 
Exactly. Just yeah. just stick with it. The more systematic you can make it, especially in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, you're going to be way further ahead than if you... It's like your tie at church. If you think you're going to do it all in the last week of December... <laughs> it's not going to happen. Maybe, but probably not. The church is not going to be counting on that money if they see that when it comes in on the estimate. Uh, yeah, exactly. Put it but if you do it every two weeks, right when you get paid, builds up. then you feel good at the end of the year. The church is happy. Everybody's happy. And it's the same way with your retirement account. The more systematic you can make it, then it's actually going to happen for you. It's a really good comparison. Absolutely. All right. So checking and savings, having control over that, utilizing your workplace retirement account, foundational element number two. What's the third key to a healthy financial foundation? Well, number three is for the people to say, Dave, I don't, I don't have a 401k at work. Or maybe you're self-employed. Yeah. Um, so if that's the case, not to worry. You can do it by yourself. You're going to call TD Ameritrade or Schwab or Fidelity or somebody like that. And you're going to open up a self-directed IRA. Maybe you're self-employed, so you open up a, a SEP, which has a lot higher contribution levels. But there are a, a number of different ways that you can do a retirement plan, even if you don't work for a company or if your company doesn't offer one. They can be a traditional. In other words, you get the, the tax write-off this year. It could be a Roth, where you put it in no tax deduction this year, but it's tax-free forever. The money is basically... Locked in until you're 59 and a half, kind of like 401k money. Uh, you have to pay a penalty then if you want it out early. But, you know, you don't have to pay a penalty when you want money out of a Roth. You just have to pay a penalty on the earnings if you haven't had it in for five years or if you're under 59 and a half. So there are some rules, and you may, you're going to need to do a little bit of research. But if you don't have a workplace retirement account, set, set one up on your own. And then the, the other... A piece of, of this number three is if you've worked for two or three or four different companies and you're maybe in your early 40s and you've got a little 401k over there and a little one over there and another one over there, you'll do yourself a favor if you combine those into a rollover IRA. Unless that old company you have has some ridiculously awesome investment choices you're going to be better off aggregating those little, what, what is in my business called an orphaned 401k or two or three. You're going to have better control over your financial situation and your retirement plan if you aggregate those into one place. It's going to be called a rollover IRA. And then you can put your annual contributions right into that same account. Helps you with organization. And you also can have your eye on that pot of money instead of what you probably do, which is ignore two or three or four orphaned 401ks that are out there. So that's number three. You can, you can do a retirement plan on your own. You don't need a company to help you with that. So take care of the checking and savings, and then whether through a company or on your own, start taking care of the retirement needs. That's uh, our first three keys to a healthy financial foundation. All right, how about number four? Well, number four came clear to me again last week when I was talking to a, um, a recently widowed lady. She was in her mid-40s. So, you know, just those are always heartbreaking things. The good news is her husband had about the right amount of life insurance. And so 
the the fourth key to a healthy financial foundation is make sure you have life insurance. My view on it is super cheap term life insurance that you're not spending a bunch of money on because the risk of you dying before 60 or 65 or 70 is really quite low. But the risk to your family that you do die when you're young is really high. So for instance, three different situations. If you're single, you listen to this and you're single, there, I can build an easy case where you do not need any life insurance. So there are a bunch of people out there that just don't need it yet. If you're married with kids, well, you absolutely need life insurance because let's just say you're the primary breadwinner and you die. Well, your spouse is going to be left with his or her smaller amount of income or maybe no working income and kids who are going to need clothing, food, education, shelter, etc. So you have a tremendous need for a large amount of life insurance in the unlikely event that you get hit by a, a bus. And that life insurance is super cheap if you're in pretty darn good health. What if you're married but no kids? Well, so if you're young and married and no kids, you, depending on, you know, the size of house you live in, the size of mortgage, what you'd want to figure out is if I die or if my spouse dies, what happens to the person left? What kind of bills are they going to have? What kind of lifestyle are they going to want to maintain? And the software we, we use, but you don't need particularly fancy software to figure that out is how much would they need in a tax-free lump sum death benefit to maintain their lifestyle for the remaining amount of their life. I mean, if you're 30 and you're married, no kids, your spouse is going to be here for 40 or 50 or so years, maybe 60 years. It's a long time and a little bit of planning would go a long way. I also have, I've answered this for a couple of different clients who were empty nesters and they said, you know, maybe we don't even need our life insurance anymore. And that is absolutely, that's possibly true. But most times when you get to be an empty nester, most of the people that I work with are then really putting the pedal to the metal on saving that last big chunk of money for retirement. And if you happen to drop dead of a heart attack, the spouse you leave behind is going to have fewer assets than you guys thought you were going to have. So while life insurance, term life insurance can be a little, can be more expensive when you're in your fifties, certainly than when you're in your thirties, it is by no means prohibitive. And you absolutely have to price that out and see, do I want maybe a 10 year policy, fixed premium, pay it every month. And then in 10 years, it's over. It, it just goes away. Kind of like your auto insurance, if you cancel it. But in 10 years, you probably won't need that policy. So it's a perfectly fine way to buy really cheap life insurance in the unlikely event that you're going to leave somebody behind uh, that's going to need those assets. And then, uh, Walter, one other piece I forgot, the, the married with kids. I've seen a number of, of families like that. And, and let's just say in most of those cases, the husband was the primary breadwinner, but not always. But, but in this case, I'm going to use the husband. The husband dies uh, no, the husband lives and he continues to work and earn the big money, but his wife dies. 
Well, she was in charge of a lot of stuff. She just wasn't getting paid for it. And so now all of a sudden, the husband who's left behind with three kids, he has a real problem on his hands because maybe he's got uh, health care. Uh, he's got um, uh, education things for his kids. He might have daycare for those kids. He has, he lost half of his family unit when his wife died early. So it's not just the primary breadwinner that needs life insurance in those cases. The, the, the non-primary breadwinner, you may need less life insurance on that person's life, but it's, but it's almost certain that you don't need zero on that person. So frankly, those discussions always take a little bit longer with people in their 30s and 40s and 50s than you might think. So that's probably an area where you'd want to get some good advice from someone, no offense intended here, but for, from someone who is more of a holistic advisor and not necessarily in the business of selling life insurance to you. Either way, try to get some good advice from a fiduciary as to how much you should have. The answer might be zero. It might be millions of dollars. Either way, I'll bet you can find a relatively cheap way to get that protection in place. That's absolutely a key to having a healthy financial foundation. It's a great way to look at it, David. And, you know, it's not just that there's a magic number based on your age. You should have X. So looking at all those different factors. And I think that that little bit extra research, that little bit extra time to find the right life insurance amount to cover you and your family and uh, all the different things that you outlined there in your examples, super important. So glad you brought that one up as our fourth key to a healthy financial foundation. All right. We, uh, we almost have the foundation built, David. The concrete is setting on our uh, financial home here. What is the uh, fifth and final key? So this is, um, this is a little bit tangential, but it is absolutely part of the foundation of a number of, of people that I work with. Um, and it's, I'm just going to call it a taxable brokerage account. And so what that is, a home for your money, You've got too much money in the bank. You've already fully funded your 401k at work. You funded your HSA, maybe your whatever other tax-advantaged uh, vehicles you're using for investment. And now you've got extra money. Or maybe you inherit some money. Or maybe you're in your 20s or 30s and your parents or your grandparents gift you 14 or 15 grand a year or whatever that amount is. And you don't want to spend it. You want to actually invest it. So that's where a taxable brokerage account will come in handy. It's kind of for that over and above retirement savings money. So it having an account like that just provides you with tons of financial flexibility throughout your life, and especially when you get pretty close to or early in retirement. So one thing that one way that I can um, I've seen this a number of times, in fact I've I've helped people do this is when they retire maybe early, but say that they retire at 65 or 66 and they're not going to start taking their uh, Social Security until 70. What they're able to do is if they have that taxable brokerage account, a lot of times what we'll do is take money out of their 401k or their IRA rollover and convert that into a Roth IRA. In other words, pay the tax now 
so that it's tax-free forever, including the growth on that money. And the very best way to do that Roth conversion is by paying the taxes, not out of the money that's being converted, but out of a taxable brokerage account. That's how you get, that's how you turn that into a, into a triple instead of a single or a double. You, to just use a baseball analogy, because <laughs> what podcast is, is full without a baseball analogy. But it's, it's a way to kind of turbocharge that Roth conversion by paying the taxes from a taxable brokerage account. So that's one really good use for the money that you've built up in that taxable brokerage account. Again, the reason that that's part of a healthy financial foundation is that it adds to your flexibility. And what you don't want to get caught with when you're later in life is having no flexibility. When your choices get narrowed down, you usually don't have choices between really good stuff. Your choices, when they're narrow, tend to be amongst less good or bad things. So as you're, as you're working, as you're saving, as you're, as you're maxing out those other uh, programs, or as you inherit some money, uh, instead of spending that, I'd turn it into a taxable brokerage account that is going to pay you dividends for your, for your financial plan and your retirement plan many, many years into the future. There you have it, the five key elements to a healthy financial foundation, controlling and having control over your checking and savings, utilizing that workplace retirement account, or making uh, an IRA happen on your own, having the right amount of life insurance, notice the keyword there, the right amount of life insurance, and a taxable brokerage account, key number five, to a healthy financial foundation. And David, it's your belief if uh, some younger investor, at least younger on the end of uh, that spectrum, is following these five keys, they're building a great foundation, and they're going to be meeting with someone like you, you know, years from now when it comes their time to retire and uh, get ready to then use all those great savings for all the fun stuff that retirement brings with it, right? I think that's exactly right. If they take care of these things when they're young, then for the most part, their retirement is going to take care of itself. You do enough right things all along the way, and you may not end up rich, but you're going to end up well off, and that's a really good thing. Absolutely. No doubt about it, David. If this has been helpful to you or if you have any clarifying questions about something we've talked about today, or if you thought that today's episode was helpful and might help someone else that you know, please feel free to share this show with them and uh, let it be a good introduction maybe into some financial planning strategies for someone that you know. Feel free to copy and share the link or tell them where to find the Cover Your Assets KC podcast, wherever you're listening to it today. If you have any questions for David, please reach out. 913-317-1414 is the number. And you can also go to CoverYourAssetsKC.com to get in touch that way. And we'll put contact info in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find. David, thanks for walking us through these keys and laying them out for us. And we'll look forward to another good show with you next week. I will look forward to it as well, Walter. Thanks. Very good. That's David Dickens. I'm Walter Shorehold. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time on the Cover Your Assets KC Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and KC Financial Advisors are independent of each other.